Today on Awaken to Grace, we introduce a brand new series called The Life of Joseph. And I know that so many of you listening, like me, you're going to be able to find yourself somewhere in the life of Joseph. We chose to call this series Providence because every step that the Bible records in Joseph's life, we see providence. And if you look into your own life, if you look over your own past, I'm sure that you can see the providence of God. You can see the hand of God with you. Well, today we're going to talk about dysfunctional homes. And the main point is that God redeemed Joseph out of a dysfunctional family. And the point we're walking away from today is that God still redeems people from dysfunctional homes. The way you maybe grew up isn't the way you have to be today. It's not how you have to raise your children today. So I know there's a great deal you're going to learn from today's principles, and I hope that you'll follow along with us. We're going to be in Genesis 37, and this is the introduction to Joseph's life. Weeping over the sins of his sons rather than him calling a family meeting and said, we're not going to do that. We're, we're not these people. No. Do you know what the Bible says he was concerned about? His reputation. His public relation. He was concerned on how people in the, in the surrounding area would see him. He was all about himself. Not the good of his family. And so they're on their way to to Canaan and Rachel has now died, which was devastating. And now this great sin uh, at Sheshem with the rape of his daughter and the killing that his sons did. And now, now the third tragedy, Reuben, his oldest son. Do you know the sin that Reuben committed? He slept with one of Jacob's wives. He committed incest within the family. And again, do you know what Jacob did? Nothing. He addressed it, but not until his deathbed, and it was far too late then. So today I want to lay out for you mistakes that Jacob made. And what you need to understand as we walk into Genesis chapter 37 is that Jacob has been filled with trickery, filled with deceit. He has done things very wrongly, and now he is getting ready. You know the old saying, you, you uh, uh, sow to the wind, and what do you reap? The whirlwind. And he's getting ready to reap the whirlwind because of the mistakes that he made. Genesis chapter 37, verse number 3. I want you to look at it with me. It says... Now, Israel, which means Jacob, if you don't know that part of Jacob's story, you need to know that God wrestled one night, an entire night with Jacob until he submitted Jacob all the way down to the ground. And God changed his name that night. The name Jacob means trickster, deceiver, but the name Israel means my beloved. And God changed his name that night. And going forward, Jacob was called Israel. So the Bible says in verse 3, Genesis 37, Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. My friends, that's a huge problem. And that's where I want to dig in today. 
It says that Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he was the son of his old age. And he made for him a robe of many colors. Verse 4, and when his brothers heard that, or knew that his father, that their father loved him more than any of his other brothers, listen to what the Bible says in verse 4. They hated him. They hated Joseph. And they could not speak peacefully to him. We're talking about complete dysfunction in the home. We're talking about complete rivalry, complete hatred. Well, today, let me give you three mistakes that Jacob made with Joseph and his brothers. Number one, if you're going to take notes, I want you to note, number one, the first mistake that I want you to note is that Jacob was passive as a father. When it comes to our children, when it comes to our grandchildren, let me tell you the one thing that we cannot afford to be, and that's passive. Because Jacob was so passive in the dealing with his children, again, you can read the family line. You can read the history. What happened at Sheshem? He did absolutely nothing. As hatred grows between his sons and Joseph, three times, three times in this one chapter, it's going to tell us that Joseph's brothers hated him. And do you know what Jacob did about it? Absolutely nothing. And I know in my heart that I am speaking to people today who you love Jesus and you want to follow the Lord and you're trying, to, you're trying your best to make your life right with God. But when it comes to parenting, when it comes to how you deal with your children, you're way too hands off. And you're way too passive. My friends, let this story be a great caution to us that we cannot be Passive as parents, we got to discipline and we've got to speak into their lives. If your children are young, if your children are still uh, where you're rearing them and you're raising them, you ought to be the strongest voice in their life. And discipline matters in your home. We're living in a culture today that we've thrown discipline out the window. And you don't have to be very smart and you don't even have to be spiritual to look at, at society today and see what the results are of no discipline in the home. I heard someone say one time, please raise your kids right because all of us have to live with them when they get older, right? And today, if you're a parent and you say, well, I don't know how I feel about discipline and, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I agree with, let me tell you, take a biblical view and not only look at what the Bible says pro-discipline, but look at what happens to families when there are, when there is no discipline in the home and take it as a warning. It's been well said by many people. It's far easier for you to control your five-year-old to control a 15-year-old. And if you can't control them when they're five, if you can't control them when they're eight, and you can't control them when they're three, you will not control them when they're 13, 15, and 18. So take it to heart. Take it to heart. The Bible has so many instructions for us as parents. And do we get it right every time? Absolutely not. 
But we should take serious what the Bible says concerning discipline. And let me share with you parents, oh, how critical this is. Your children, particularly if they're very young, let me tell you, they're going to view God the way they view you. Say, Chad, what do you mean? Let me tell you the truth, my friend. If your children will not obey you, they will not obey God. If they will not listen to you, they will not listen to God Almighty. And for many of us, what does God have to do to us? He's got to break something, doesn't he? And you know what it's called? Our will. How many of you, God's broken your will before? I can't see your hands. <laughs> Say amen if God's broken your will before. And if you don't, if you don't train your child now, don't reap the whirlwind. Train them now. Now, what if your children are grown? Well, let me give a word here, and I want to be careful. You know, one of my greatest concerns as I look into the future, one of my greatest concerns is what, what, will my children follow the Lord as adults? I pray they do more than anything. I'd rather my children be uneducated and follow Jesus and go to heaven than to be highly educated and go straight to hell. Amen. Amen. But being a pastor doesn't guarantee that my children will follow the Lord. As a matter of fact, if history is any record to look at, it's actually against me. Right? You heard about preacher kids, hadn't you? You know why preacher kids are the way they are? It's called the deacon's kids. That's what I hear. I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> I just had three deacons quit. <laughs> but there is no guarantee that my children are going to follow the Lord as adults. But let me, can I just share my heart with you right now, Pastor Worley? Can I just share my heart? Let me tell you the greatest tragedy in my view as a pastor, and I've been doing this for a minute now. Let me tell you, in the 18 years that I've been a pastor, let me tell you in my view the greatest tragedy I see. I see parents with adult children who have walked away from God and parents sign a peace treaty with the devil. They don't confront sin. They accept the sins of their children. Let me challenge you. Let me encourage you. Let me caution you. Do not accept the sins of your children. Am I saying be mean to them? No, 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 no. But what I'm saying is, if you have adult children who have walked away from God, don't be passive over their sin. You should be the strongest intercessor in their life. 
You should be speaking over them, fasting over them, praying over them. You should grab hold of the altar of God and absolutely not let go until God moves in their life. If you don't intercede for them, who will? Who will? And some of you need to fast over your adult children. Some of you need to speak vision into their life. You say, Chad, I don't know. I don't know how to talk to my kid anymore. I mean, they're an adult and they won't listen to me. I don't know what to, no. You speak vision into them. You know what vision is? You know what vision is? Vision is what could be. Vision is what should be. And vision is what by God's grace will be. Amen. And when you talk to your kids and they're deep into sin, you talk to them and you say, you're not always going to be this way. God's going to get, I'm telling you, God, God's going to change your life. God, I'm praying too hard. I'm believing God. I am trusting that God's going to bring a change into you. And don't lay down and take the sins of your kids. Intercede for them. Go into spiritual warfare on their behalf. And whatever you do, don't sign a peace treaty with the devil. Intercede. Amen. The number one mistake of Joseph, number one, was the passivity of his parenting. Are you too passive as a parent? Do you accept too much sin? Some of you need to go home today and you need to clean your home out. And I don't care if your kid is 17. I don't care if they're 16 or 15 or 10 or whatever. You need to clean your home out. Amen? And don't be passive as a parent because it is to the destruction of your kids as we see in the Bible. Number two, oh, oh, what a mistake. Jacob played favorites. Notice what the text says. He loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. Is there ever a more disappointing statement of a parent than that right there? But yet I know in my heart, and I'm not throwing stones at you today, brothers and sisters. I promise you I'm, I'm preaching today out of a tender pastoral heart. I don't say this to throw stones, but you and I need the great caution that we do not play favorites with our children. And how easy that is to do. Am I right or am I wrong? Some children are easier to raise than others. <laughs> Come on now. Is that the God's honest truth today? Some kids are just easier. And if you're not careful, you'll gravitate to them. If you're not careful, you'll favor them more. Oh, be careful. What did Jacob do? He made for Joseph a coat of many colors. Let me tell you what scholars tell us about this coat. I think it's fascinating. So we know this coat was flashy and it was vibrant and it was of many colors. But when you read the Hebrew scripture here, when you get into the original language of the Hebrew text, there, there's, uh, uh, what, what it tells us is that it mentions with this robe or this coat, whatever you would want to call it, it goes down to the wrist and it goes down to the ankles. 
Now, I want you to think about this. Now, you know, uh, you, 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 you've got 12 strapping young men, and what are you going to do with those young men? You're going to put them to work, right? Especially in this culture, maybe not in today's culture, but in that culture, they're going to work. Well, if you're in the Middle East and you know the climate of the Middle East, you think you're going to go out there in a long robe and work? No, they wore sleeveless tunics because of the temperature, because of the climate. And do you know what Joseph, do you know what Jacob is telling his son Joseph? And do you know what Jacob is telling all of his other sons when he presented Joseph with this beautiful, flashy, decorative, ornate coat of many colors that went all the way down to his wrists, all the way down to his ankles? You know what he's telling his son? You don't have to work like your brothers. You're not like them. You don't have to do what your brothers have to do. Friends, Jacob destroyed his family with favoritism. And where did Jacob get it from? His mama, Rebecca, who showed him favoritism. Where did that come from? Sarah, who showed Favoritism. Favoritism will destroy families. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you grew up in a home where you were not the favorite. And you know the pain and you know the hurt that it caused. Some of you grew up in a home where you were the favorite. Oh, how God needs to bring peace and healing to your home. Amen. Don't allow the sin of favoritism to drive a wedge in your children. What a word of caution from the Bible today. Can you believe the Bible shows us all this? And why does it show us? So that you and I can avoid it. So not only was Jacob passive in his parenting, not only did he play favorites in his parenting, But then lastly today, he tolerated, he allowed anger, jealousy, hatred, and strife to be in the home. I I, I don't understand how the Bible can say three times in this one chapter that Joseph's brothers hated him. And Jacob didn't see it. I don't think there's any way that he could not have seen it. I think he ignored it. Now, let's walk a little deeper into the text as I finish today. So Joseph's going to go on and have these two incredible dreams. It amazes me that what we find in Canaan in his adolescence, we're going to find in his adulthood in Egypt. The fact of a coat getting him in trouble, (laughs) because that's what Potiphar's wife used to make a false accusation. She grabbed him, and the boy ran out of his coat to get away from her. And then she grabbed his coat and said, he tried to rape me. And boy, those coats got Joseph in trouble, didn't they? And now dreams, 
Dreams are going to follow him into the king's prison. Dreams, it's going to be dreams that bring him before Pharaoh later on in Genesis. But what's the point? The point is that Joseph has these dreams that, that, uh, that the, the, the sheaths and the uh, stars and the uh, sun and moon, that everything's bowing down to him. He has these two dreams. And the Bible says it made his brothers hate him even more. Well, one day, now, again, I gave you history because you got to link it. So one day, Joseph's brothers are out with, the, with their father's flocks. Where's Joseph? Remember what I said? Joseph didn't have to work like his brothers. Joseph had the long coat on in, in the Middle East. And so where are the brothers? Well, the brothers are supposed to be in Sheshem. You remember what happened in Sheshem? The rape of Dinah, their sister, and the murder of these men. And that's where they're supposed to be with the flocks. Why would they go there? Bizarre. But that's not the point. Here's the point. All of a sudden, Jacob starts to get concerned. And Jacob tells Joseph, I need you to go and check on your brothers and check on the herd and come back and give a report. Why did he send Joseph? You know what I think? I think the past sins and the fact that he was so passive as a father, he began to worry about that. If they're in Sheshem, are they in trouble? If something gone wrong, I better send Joseph. Oh, what a mistake. So he sends Joseph and they're not there. They're actually in another area and Joseph finally finds them and The Bible says that when his brothers saw him coming from a long distance, they said, oh, here comes that dreamer. And the Bible says they began to conspire against him because they hated him. And when Joseph got near them, the Bible says that they came up with a plan to get rid of him. And the Bible says the first thing they did was they tore that coat of many colors off of him. This thing was like a powder keg just ready to explode and Jacob lit the fuse. They ripped his coat of many colors off and they were going to kill him, but they said there's no sense in killing him. He's our brother. He's our flesh. Why have his blood on our hands? Let's throw him in a pit. And so they throw him into a deep pit. And once they throw him into the pit, the Bible said they all sat down to eat. No guilty conscience there. And while they're eating and trying to decide what to do with their brother, here comes Ishmaelites coming down to go to Egypt to trade. And it was a caravan of traders, and they're going to go down to Egypt and try to make some money. And they go, that's what we'll do. We'll sell our brother as a slave. And sure enough, the Bible says they sold him for 20 shekels of silver, which was the price of a handicapped slave of that day. And they sold him into slavery. Now, this is where we're going to leave Joseph today. The Bible says at the end of chapter 37 that that caravan took him to Egypt. Now, you got you to... Gotta, You got to think about this. He's 17 years old. He doesn't know the language. He doesn't know the culture. He's been ripped away from his father and any protection he's ever known in his life. But yet God's going to go with him. 
We're going to call this series Providence, the life of Joseph. And it's my aim to show you that in every step of Joseph's life, the providence of God was there. Amen. If you enjoyed today's broadcast and would like to hear more great content, you can always download our free mobile app, Awaken to Grace, where you can request prayer, find sermons, articles, blogs, music, podcasts, as well as support us financially. You can also visit either of our websites at www.preachingchristchurch.com or www.awakentograce.com for more information about our church or our resource ministry. Thank you for listening to Awaken to Grace.